You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. That'll be the red light on. Red light on. That means it's time to go, doesn't it, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Flick that switch as we move into the afternoon here at the glorious R's. Glorious. How's your R's? just a glorious... (laughs) Glorious in here. Oh, in, what does ours mean to you? In our nice little soundproof container in East Brunswick. A bit crappy outside, though. It's warm and lovely in here, and we're bathing in the glow of a little bit of radiation in here. And Matt's still got a T-shirt on, though. I wore a shirt from the you car have to here. So. amazing circulation, I think, Matt. Because <laughs> you do. You, it's incredible. I, I, hardly, I, don't, I can't even remember a time I've seen you in a jacket. Oh, really? I'll, I'll wear one next week. Just Could you? Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, it is. It's um, it's cold out there, but um, to be expected here in the middle of winter. I was saying to you, my... Post-solstice. I reckon the three to four weeks after solstice in Melbourne are the hardest, just in terms of the gloom and the temperature in the short days. And Not August, longer. where it's finally just worn you down the um, week after week of cold <laughs> and grey and... I think that's what I'm feeling right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the ennui. So saddle up, Melbourne. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, warm yourselves up. Put some layers on. Put a cup of tea on or get some glue vine if that's your thing. And uh, we'll keep you company for the next hour. I think it'd be a great idea. And uh, before we do that, we must look backwards briefly as we look over our shoulders and yes. say, cheers, some good radio. Yes. Scientists, tick. Yes. Uh, the doctors doing some really, really great stuff. Tick. And even uh, if we go back even further, a week ago, uh, obviously we were off last week. week. Yeah, we had the week off. And yeah. um, big ups to Neil Morrison still here for his two-hour broadcast oh, on Madoc Week. Absolutely, indeed. Yeah, what a great broadcast that was. Mm. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing might Neil. Beca- and might become a bit of a triple R tradition, you never know. Ooh. Ooh. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you know, we've, we've Nadoc Week. Yes. Why the heck not? Mm. Um, Should we look forward, though? Should we Pivot. Pivot. 180 degrees. Yes. With the hands held over the eyebrows just to shield ourselves from this blinding sunlight. Oh, that's right. There isn't any because it's the middle of winter. And we say here we are on the 14th of July. Bastille Day. Bastille Day. Mon Dieu. Mon Dieu. Uh, and that was uh, actually looking back. If you're interested in Bastille Day, I would recommend you listen to Radiotherapy because Panel Beater did a great dissertation on... What have the French ever done for us? Yes, and political prisoners. Other than guillotines and blood soaking the streets near the Place de la Concorde and the terrors. 230 years ago today, storming of the Bastille. Yeah, free those prisoners. Yes. And we've got some scores to settle. <laughs> this <laughs> yes. is sort of the way to... <laughs> this ain't over yet. This ain't over yeah. yet. In fact, we, in fact, we've just begun. It's going to get worse before it gets better for you guys. Uh-huh. Um, and... Uh, and you brought in an escargot. I did. Thematically appropriate. I did. And we might even have some French music. We might spin out some a French tune, you never know. And coming up on the show today, um, perception is everything. And we all perceive things differently. I mean, mm. if you want to have a great example of that, um, if you're outside in the summer, mm. just ask to swap over sunglasses. Oh. Because people look at the world in a completely different way, depending on what tint your sunglasses are. Mm. We hear things differently. We 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 see things differently. We see colours differently. Some mm-hmm. can't see colours at all. Mm. My father couldn't see green on red, I think, was really? his colour blindness. Mm. Afflicted. <laughs> he was afflicted. Um, yes. 
but we have Dr. Guillaume, who uh, from Deakin University, get this, mm-hmm. Centre for Advanced Sensory Science. Ooh. Do you like that? Let, just let that hang. He's coming in because um, there's going to be a gig happening called Extra Sensory at Parliament House on August the 10th. Mm. And he's going to come in and blow our minds. He said, can I make some coffee? I've got salt. He's got- yeah, he made salt. He's put salt in the coffee. Oh, I don't know if he's done that yet. Yeah. But we will certainly um, find out about... Um, Taste perceptions. Taste perceptions. Yeah, because I, I agree. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not at the scientific end of the spectrum, but even things like when you go away, you have a nice holiday, and you have this incredible meal, and you come back home, and then you might source or make the same thing, and it doesn't taste the same because you're not in the same headspace, and you're annoyed because you just got home from work, and you've got to feed the pets, and those. So it's just it's different. The, the the taste might be the same, but the perception is very different. Can I give you a great example of that one word, please? Retsina. Oh, let's. So, Retsina is Greek wine that is flavoured yeah. with pine resin. Right. A truly vile concept <laughs> when you think about it. I think it was, it was to keep it, stop it from going off. But, you know, if you've got the Aegean Sea around you, yeah. it kind of makes sense. I had a friend. But who- then you come back to Coburg and you pour <laughs> it and you go. This wine is terrible. I had a friend once who came back from, I think it was Bali, and was excited to serve us all carver. <laughs> and carver's fantastic, I guess. Muddy water. Yeah, if you're in the mood for a moderately, I don't know, not hallucinogenic, but something just to you know, enjoy as part of the Balinese experience, but didn't make a lot of sense over lunch at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yes. How's it going with the canapes? Yeah. Not very well. So anyway, we're, we're going to be doing that. Uh, we will be going and seeing John at the market. Yes. Uh, what do we talk about? Oh, we'll just save that for when that happens. And uh, then um, Hugh Griffith, you might remember him from last year, uh, from Union Electric, lovely yes. bar, mm-hmm. part of the uh, Gin Palace diaspora. Mm-hmm. Lovely guy. Mm. Uh, he's going to be coming in, and apparently something's happened with Lark Whiskey. Ooh. Which doesn't really really apply to most of us anyway. Lark Whiskey, in case you're wondering, is um, named after a guy called Bill Lark, who's in Tasmania. Yep. Uh, we call it unobtainium. <laughs> it is kind of expensive. I've never had the pleasure. But really? it is kind of the, it is the leading light of that. That new wave of Tasmanian whiskies probably started, what, 15 years yeah, ago? Yeah. Um, Japanese love it. Yeah. And uh, there's a whole pile of other uh, boutique whiskies coming out of Tasmania, as you might know. And Lark was the first. It was, yeah, mm. first and best. But apparently it's going to be starting to make gin. Everyone's doing probably, that. Bill, well, it's been easier with the cash flow when you think about it. Yes, so. I mean, whiskey, you make it and then you just got to walk away from it for five years <laughs> and then go... Gin, you can it's sell the it. bank manager on the phone. You mean yeah. I can sell this next week? This yeah. gin stuff? That's pretty That's good. Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, Hugh Griffith, Lark Whiskey and Winter Warmers. Mm. You are listening to 3 Triple R. I have a food quote. Yes. From Shakespeare, from the Merry Wives of Windsor. Let the sky rain potatoes. I have no context for it. It just it sounds <laughs> kind of weird. Hey. And uh, in 1568, uh-huh. uh, late-breaking news... <laughs> The Dean of St. Paul's Cathedral developed a method to bottle beer. And he got slapped on the back. And so what did they do? Hand. So prior to that, these would have served it out of jugs or something fresh brewed, perhaps? Yeah, just a bucket. <laughs> just beer. A there you go. There you go. Oh, it's gone flat. <laughs> There's a few places around town that still serve it like that. Yeah, but there uh, you go. Another bucket. Uh, 12.10 here on 3 FM. Did we say that we're delighted that you've joined us? I was going to say just briefly for Bastille Day. Oh, what? Uh, what are we doing? Every year Bastille Day comes around. The Tour de France is on. And um, yes. good late night TV if you're into 
watching the scenery of France roll by uh, before bedtime. However, for the last 20 years, yeah. um, our good friend Gabriel Gatte oh, has also yeah, presented a little segment on the tour um, called Tesla Tour. Um, it's always been a really good watch. I'm mentioning it because he's actually finishing up. This is his last year of doing it. I think he's done it for 20 years straight. Good gig too and he does it lean there's just him him and a camera guy and a camera guy Mm. like talk about doing it lean and they i don't know they ride on ahead yeah they do and their little legs are going what 25 odd episodes (coughs) each year is probably no mean feat um so good on you gabrielle for all of that that you put together as part of that show and um yeah if if you want to watch a bit of Gabriel Gatte, I think for the last time, tune in to... What time, what time's it on during the, the race, do you know? It starts around sort of 9.30, 10 o'clock most nights. But do you know what time... Is it the start of the coverage. Start of the coverage. Yeah, okay. so, if, so you, if you miss the first 20 minutes, you've, you've missed him. But I think you can also get it on catch-up too, have to check. I'm sure you would. There'd mm. be uh, a little section in the, uh, the SBS stream mm. where you can go back to that pool. Yes. That part of the river. Uh, we are going to get our minds blown because uh, we, uh, we're going to see how we perceive food and we're also going to see uh, about this uh, event that is happening at Parliament House, mm. which is um, using their powers for good. Have they finished building that yet? There's a lot of scaffold around that place. A bit of it's come down. Oh, good. Half of it's come down. There's still mm. that the extreme north part of it is mm. still up. Yeah. He said gesticulating. <laughs> Can you see me doing that? Look, we need to move on, don't we? I'm going to get we the, shall. Uh, the good doctor. Where is he? He's hanging in the green room. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go think. and find him. Right. I'm going to look for him. I'm going to bring him back. Yes, and it's good to have them aboard. You are listening to 3 FM. Hello, my name is Cam Smith. Across from me, I have... I'm Matt Sam. Hello. You are. And yes. we are now joined... Oh, we are joined by Dr. Guillaume. Uh, who is, where's my Guillaume thing, uh, from Deakin <laughs> University. This is kind of cool. The Centre for Advanced Sensory Science. Science, science, science. Um, what a great little faculty to be a part of. How long has that been going for? And welcome. Lovely to see you. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, so the Centre for Advanced Sensory Science has been going on for about five, six years. Yes. But we've been in the field for about 20, 25 years. And what did it grow from, these well, sensory... Sciences. So originally, we were part of another group, um, yes. which is more about um, health in general. And then we thought, you know what? We've got really good you know scientists yeah. in sensory and consumer science. Let's do something more exciting. We're just going to start our own, own group. Yeah. And so how long have you been there? I've been there for 11 years. Wow. Okay. So you've been doing the, the long yards and the hard yards there. Yeah. I've been in the field for a little bit longer than, than 11 years, about probably about um, about 18 years. And what has been your field of endeavours, so to speak? What, what, how, um, you're a doctor. Yes, that's right. So I started off as a nutritionist. Yes. And I'm still a nutritionist. And then I did my PhD on taste development of children. So looking at infants, looking at children, how does taste develop? Why do some children like sweet or sour? And why do other children not like that sort of thing? And how does that relate to their food choice? And how can you change that to improve their um, their food choice? And what were your um, conclusions? Sort of Regent's Digest version, obviously. So This is a PhD we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> and to summarise. Bit, bit difficult to summarise in, um, in 20 seconds probably. But um, So I've done the study. So are children part of, influenced by their environment or their parents or their genetics? All of it. All of the above. Yeah, all of it. So probably one of the major findings was that 
about one-third of children have a really high preference for sour. And we've seen that in the United States. We've seen that in the Netherlands. And that relates to thrill-seeking. And uh, and also there, uh, there, the amount of vegetable uh, uh, fruits they consume. So those who like sour more actually consume more fruits. Really? Mm. So, yeah, citric acid doesn't freak them out. No, not really. You've got these really, really sour candies in, in the United Warheads. States. Yeah, yeah, yes, oh, those shit. And is that, that's not citric acid. That's Is that citric acid? Oh, there's a layer of citric acid on top of it. So the powder that you see, that, that's yeah. basically citric acid. It's um, pretty butch, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we, we had I'm it. getting the ilks. You know that, that <laughs> word when you, oh, I'm salivating and, yeah, just thinking about it. Yeah, we had this, uh, this challenge. reaction. Uh, this challenge. You know, how many? How many can you put in your mouth? Really? Yeah, I could do one. <laughs> it sounds like adolescence and the ch- and the chili challenges that you see on YouTube a lot. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I've got the ghost Malacca chili, and I'm gonna. And then there's tears and crying and and all that sort of stuff. So first of all, let's um, talk about this thing that's happening at Parliament House. Extrasensory. Is this the first time this um, this project has been going on? Well, it's the first time that we participate in this in this project. That's why I'm hearing about it. Uh, yeah, that's okay. right. Yes. And and so, what's it all about? First of all, it's an interesting venue. That the Parliament House is. It's at Parliament House. Yeah, that's right. It's Whereabouts in Parliament House? Like on the legislative floor or in offices or oh, it's, not, it's not in offices. It's, 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 I think it's in a big hall. Uh, oh, okay. we, we just occupy a, a small part of that. Um, so what we will do is we'll try to educate or entertain people in, in the area of sensory science. So they're allowed to taste different things. We have virtual reality on the floor just to show them how important your surroundings are for what you taste and, and what you like. And this is on August the 10th? Yes. Yeah, it's on a Saturday. Yep, yeah. so Saturday, August the 10th. Uh, Matt's already written it down. Good yes. Man. Yes, so it's in the in the diary. What sort of things will we be able to participate in? Because you are just a, a component of a pretty big program. Yeah, it's a pretty big program. So I don't I don't even know everything that, that's going on. Mm. Um but what we will be doing is um, we'll expose them to virtual reality. So we show them different things and they can taste different things. And that that illustrates how important the environment is for your taste perception. Um, we also have these little pieces of paper that has a particular chemical, which is completely safe. Yes, completely but safe. Some yes. people can taste that particular chemical and other people cannot. And that sort of illustrates that. It, there's actually more to taste than just your opinion. Part of that is actually your genetics. Genetics, yes, okay, because uh, I've certainly been aware of the thing uh, known as the super tasters. Yeah, that's exactly is, this is, one. Which is about yeah. the receptors on the tongue. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly this one. That's, uh, that's part of it. And uh, there's a very interesting thing that we were talking about just before and that um, it's part of uh, the release that I got from you guys that the food tastes better in Paris. And that's about uh, perception as well, isn't it? Yeah, we, we often think in that you know when we taste something in an environment that we like, say you have got you have a really good bottle of wine, you taste it in Paris or anywhere that you or like. by a stream or something yeah, at a yeah, exactly. perfect picnic spot. Exactly, and then you you know you bought a couple of bottles, you open the up at home, and you think that's not. That's not the same. This sucks. And I, I was using the um, the example of uh, there's a, a Greek phenomenon called Retsina. 
um, which is a white wine, which is flavoured with pine resin. And I was saying that uh, if you've actually got the Aegean Sea around you, it tastes good. But back home, doesn't taste so good at all. No, exactly. And it, it even comes down to um, what, the, what the wine looks like. So they've done a number of studies where they had a white wine. Mm. They just added a little bit of colorant to it, which was tasteless. And then had people who were really experienced wine tasters taste it. And when they thought they were tasting a red wine, they said, oh, yeah, that's more sort of oaky and, you know, it's full of body, et cetera, et cetera. And when they tasted exactly the same wine, which was now white, they thought, oh, yeah, that's fruity. It's not as full. It's not as oaky. Exactly the same wine. Uh, This doesn't say that they're stupid. Absolutely not. It just says that all our senses, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we smell, they all work together to get this sort of, you know, combined experience of um, of food. I remember doing an experiment at college about a million years ago where we had a meal and we covered every, uh, coloured everything blue. And there is a, a, a warning that happens in the brain that says, blue food is going to kill you. Blue food is going to kill you. Yeah. And we, we made the white wine blue and we I think we did a spaghetti marinara and we coloured all the seafood blue and and we got people to eat it and they they weren't very happy. Yeah, my, was, my, my, my wife did the same thing. So she coloured as a, an April's Fool joke. She'd call it the milk blue. Really? I couldn't drink it. No. No, no. no and no. that was the problem. You know, uh, Big M's, the years and years ago, they brought out a blueberry Big M and the only way that they could sell it after a while was to put it in a Tetra block where you didn't actually see it. <laughs> He didn't say it. So um, uh, we very much look forward to being at Parliament House on August the 10th. That's Saturday. Do people have to book in to go in to see that or, or would they just arrive? How, do, how uh, does it work? Yeah, I think they can just arrive. But the best yeah. thing is just to go to the website Yes. Uh, of the, the Melbourne uh, Just a Science Week, mm. go to the, uh, the Extrasensory Event. Yep. And that has all the information that you need. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Now, uh, we've only got about a minute and a half, but I was just wondering, and you went to all the trouble to uh, to put these things in um, small little uh, containers. What have we got here? So, um, different things. We have a little bit of coffee, mm-hmm. um, and we have a little bit of sugar water, and then we have a piece of paper with a particular completely safe chemical on it. I love the way you keep going. It's completely yeah, I know. safe. I keep Don't on, worry. Keep on saying that. Trust me. <laughs> and you're probably not going to trust me then. No. Um, so, yeah, we, we can start off with, with this one. Which yes. Is, I'm just going to hand it over to you. I'll, I'll pass it around I'll the uh, it thing, around. otherwise everyone freaks out in the in the studio. There we go. Probably. So this, this looks like water. That yes. looks like water. And, again, that's completely safe as well. Yep. Right, so you <laughs> hey, don't worry. <laughs> when you stop saying that, we're going to get worried. Yeah, there we- <laughs> this one. Yes. So you can just taste it. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you want to go first? Sweet water. Sweet water. Yeah, it's probably sweet, right? Yep. Mm. So now you taste this one, uh, which also looks like water. Um, it's clear. I, I hope it nothing. Will. There's no giveaways from the no, thing, no. and it's sort of like a little, not a thimble, what are we, like a little shot glass, but plastic. Mm. It's slightly warmer. Yes, that yep. is warm and, sweet water. Um, it's warm sweet water, I would say. Yes. Do so we make wh- any assumptions in that? No, which one has more sugar? So there's one. The cold one. Well, I was going to go there. I think the, the warmer one tastes a bit sweeter. 
<laughs> it's always funny when you try this in the city, it, ne- it never works. But mm. the idea... I, I'm just saying that the, the, it's. Uh, I'm talking about a perception of, of sugar. I know that as you, because of sorbet, if you have a Coca-Cola yeah. and it is a certain amount of sweetness, once that warms up, it tastes stupidly sweet and you wouldn't want to drink it. But the temperature brings down the perception of the cold. And that that's exactly right. So when you have an ice cream, yes. you melt it down and then you taste it again. Like, oh, way, yeah, way, sucks. way too Why sweet. Why did I do that? It's basically there are particular channels on your on your on your on your taste buds that are sensitive to temperature, mm. and when they're activated, yes, it also activated activates your perception of sweetness. So you, your perception of sweetness goes up, mm. although it's exactly the same amount of uh, of sugar. Now, what about this bit of fabric with this chemical that's uh, in it? Yeah. that is totally safe? <laughs> yeah, you can try that. Um, do you want to try? Well, it? probably go. Yeah, I think we've got time for that, and then we uh, yeah, try we it. might have to go on to market. So here you go, Matt. There you go. The band's just about to start. Here's your little bit of cardboard. <laughs> so, right so what you do? You got yes. you got to make yeah. sure that you've got a little bit of food on the side, just in case something goes wrong. Oh, okay. Thank God you brought it in the go. Yes. Yeah, so you just put it on, put it on your tongue. The whole thing. So this is um, yeah. a, a, a piece of cardboard, probably about two centimeters square. Yeah, one and a half. Okay, Let's call it that. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, just put on, it on, onto the tongue. On the tongue. On, onto the tongue. <laughs> um, mm, okay, so I'm getting a a bitterness. Yeah. Um, what are you getting? You getting I'm bitter? Getting a, a, a little bit of bitter. Mm. Not yeah. a lot of. Not huge. No. Yeah. So for for some people, so this is interesting. So this is what, definitely this is what we call mm. probe. Some people can't taste it at all. Really? Did so you, you say you were one of those? I can taste it. You can taste There's it. It's about 25% of the population who cannot taste it, and then you have people well, who are extremely sensitive to it. Freak so out. For them, they, they basically freak out. Jump mm. out the window. Yeah. Come but, back. <laughs> that's why you want to have something to eat after that. But um, but this is the thing, and this is what you're getting to with with, uh, with extrasensory, is that, uh, to quote uh, the life of Brian, we are all individuals, and we all perceive things Differently, and we're sort of celebrating that in a way. Yeah, and that's exactly quantifying what and celebrating. That's exactly what we're going to do. Mm. So, August ten, Saturday. No bookings required. Was that right? No bookings. Required. I don't know. Just go go, to go, to, go to the website, and mm-hmm. you'll figure it out. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks been for a, having me. Been a pleasure to meet you. Come back, and we can talk about some other things. Sounds good. In the world of perceptions. Parliament House, be there. Uh, 12.26, we need to get a move on, Some don't we? Some music, Cameron, just to get you into the French sort of mood. A Bastille Day type of music? Yeah, not a traditional vibe, though. No, it's no. Not, there's no blood involved. <laughs> it's, it's pretty chilly. How you going? I'm uh, feeling a little bit chilly because um, when we got up late today, about 7 o'clock, it was nice. Yeah. And we got here and we were on the run, and then when we slowed down a little bit, that cool breeze, mate, it makes you know you're alive. It just sort of settles on the shoulders, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So we make sure that we keep running today so we don't feel it at all. And the beautiful vegetables are nice and crisp and they stay looking beautiful like this. Well, I, I suppose that's one good thing about this time of year. Oh, we got Jerry's making coffee. That's good. It's coffee time here. What are you sorting through there? I've got some mini miniature capsicums. Um, they're about the length of an egg and smaller. And we've been blessed because we've got five or six different colours. This is uh, an orange one. This is a yellow one. Mm. 
This is uh, in Italian called Glor de Rosa, a rosy coloured one. Say that again. Glor de Rosa. Yeah, see, it sounds so much better. Just, yeah, yeah. A red one. Yes. Uh, there was a green one because they all start green. Yeah, can't see what any What have I missed? So these are, uh, as we were saying, no heat. No heat at no all. No heat at all. Um, sweet. Very sweet. Now, normally we get the ones that are about the size of an egg and you cut the top off where the stem is and you stuff them with whatever and then shove them in the oven. And these bright orangey goldy ones are the sweetest of the lot. They're all lovely. Now, when we got them the other day, we took some home to mum. So she said to me, I said to her yesterday, have you tried the fresh sausages because our sausages are hanging? She said, no, you know I don't eat them half raw like you cannibals do. She said, but I put them in a fry pan with these chilies and they were magic, one sweeter than the other. Yeah. So she was very happy about that. But, yeah, even if you have a fry-off, they're very, very nice. Uh, They're crunchy, thick-fleshed and sweet, so you can eat them raw in a salad. Um, You've got to come and try them. We don't always get them, unfortunately, because the silly growers get in bed with the supermarkets and they pick all the even-shaped ones, shove them in a bag and sell them to you for three times the price. So, you know... Perish the thought. Yeah, my God. Uh, One thing I uh, I know is kind of good with that is if you um, stuff that with goat cheese... And, 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 a and, and a little bit out. of little bit of batter. Yeah, and yeah. you did that last year, didn't you? I think I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, we, and we talked about it. Because it's funny how these seasons keep uh, coming around and away we go. Now you came out and threatened me before with um, ooh, hello uh, these <laughs> out, out, outrageous looking parsnips. Yeah. These things are huge. Kilo, three hundred grams. Wow. Now, I texted the agent the night before so that they'd deliver stuff to my parking bay. Yeah. And I said, John, please send me some medium, stressed on the medium, medium. parsley. Yeah. And I crack open a bag and there's this parsley that weighs nearly a kilo, 300 grams. But... Yeah, that could be a weapon. If you hit someone on the head with oh, that... They'd never survive. Well, but have a look at the butt on top where the um, uh, leaves were growing. Yeah. It's flat. It's not a really, really big core. If there's a really big core that looks dry and ugly, it means the parsnip's seedy, woody, no good to eat. This is a very young parsnip. What I do with this is... It's a young parsnip? Yeah. This, this is... It's had a growth spurt. Th- yeah. This is bigger than, than a, a big man's clenched fist, just to give you an idea how the big top it is. The top of it, yeah, yeah. The top. Yeah. Now, we would slice that thinly and fry it in shallow hot olive oil and make them like a potato crisp. And they're so sweet. They come up nice and brown. And they brown up really, really quickly too. That crunch and the aroma. Um, And you've got to be careful. They're very high in sugar. So, you know, Cameron's fallen in love with a beautiful Japanese cup again. (laughs) The the lusterware cup's coming out. It looks like I'm going to get coffee, which is kind of good too. So, So, yeah, uh, try it. Fried. So, parsnips fried. Yes. Uh, They make the most incredible puree. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. The smoothest puree they The make. smoothest puree. And, and um, Other than cauliflower that is next to it. Cauliflower, you can get that nice and smooth, but, okay. Please, by please. The, the face you're making. All right, please. I'm going to back off. Yeah, hey. back off. Hey! Cauliflower's are all right. Parboiled and battered or boiled lightly with a bit of olive oil, but cauli soup, please, leave the building. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm, uh, so I'm not going to be allowed to talk about a really beautiful puree you make with cream and then you put with oh, a fried scallop. I, I always say that I'm not always right. Just let that hang a little bit. Yeah. There it is. Okay, all right. continue. All right. Yeah. Because, you know, we all have our quirks and problems. So, you know, <laughs> uh, go for it. I say to anyone, if it works for you, it's right. And don't let anyone tell you that it's wrong. So if you've cooked something and you like it, 
power to you. To quote John Lennon, whatever gets you through the night. Definitely. It's all right. That, that's a it's all right. One. All right. Uh, so, I'm, looking, um, I'm looking across there, and I'm seeing these beautiful-looking Savoy cabbages, and I'm thinking to myself, actually, I'm speaking loudly, there's been frost, so they should be nice and sweet now. Oh, definitely. But we've, we've got newer varieties, because the old varieties that grew during um, autumn, winter, were a little bit sharper before a frost, and mm. the frost tamed them down. And they were nice and sweet. But we've got newer varieties that they grow right through summer. Yep. And it's very rare that we have a very coarse, very bitter savoy. Yeah. And if they are, we avoid them. So, you know, that's not a problem. But they're so nice. My dad's 93, and he had a hankering for old minestrone with a savoy leaf floating on top. What they do is they chop it up, float it on top the last minute. You get a little bit of crunch and a little bit of flavour and colour through your minestrone. So... You know, you, you use all of the cabbage, not just some and, of it. And Joe turns his nine years old again for a sec. Yeah. And smiling. <laughs> Agreeably. What else do you do with soy cabbage? Um, well, normally we, we uh, steam it more than fry it. But the other day, Franca fried it with a little bit of pork and it come up a treat. Had a little bit of a different tang to it. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was the effects of the pork or not, but it was very, very nice. But I love to boil the bejeevas out of it old style uh, with a corned beef. What, and fill the, fill the house up with sulphur? Yeah. Those sulphur compounds out? Yeah, yeah. And because um, I love corned beef and cabbage. Me too. Um, Me too, yeah. A lot of people don't. A lot of people say you should fry your cabbage off in a fry pan. But, mm. again, like I said, I like to boil the bejeevas out of it. The water we keep. We either uh, use it to boil rice in again or make a pilaf or something like that. Mm. We never throw the water away because that's where all your vitamins have gone. And you were saying the same thing over the years about the corned beef too, that you can make a most beautiful pasta out of that, which uh, is absolutely incredible. Um, Shall we move over to, well, citrus is citrus. I mean, there's just heaps of them around. We had some caracara, much bigger than a... What's uh, a caracara? It's a a modern-style orange that's red inside. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't call it a blood orange because it's not. No, it's sort of halfway between. It's like the um, uh, pink grapefruit sort of colour almost. Definitely. And uh, it's much bigger than a cricket ball. And we sliced it into four and ate it. Mate, the amount of juice that was in it. Mm. So I said to Joe, we should get some and make some juice for home. Um, Because a lot of times you get a small orange and they can't be bothered and I can't be bothered. But if you've got a big orange, it's easy to squish the bejeevers out of it, get the juice into the glass, especially at breakfast time. Sets you up really well for the day. Cameron's getting excited because the coffee's percolating. Well, there's the the, the smells happening, the sounds happening. You've got, um, just to let people know, in this uh, little area behind the stall, um, we've got a little electric bialetti. Mocker machine, yes. Yeah, mocker machine. Yes. doing this beautiful thing and coffee's going to happen. Um, uh, tomatoes, seeing this is Tomato City. It's the middle of winter middle of and winter. yet you've still got them. Wow. We've still got local tomatoes that were coming out of the field. They've been picked all three weeks but still in good condition. Now, they look ugly, they're hard skin, but they're very strong flavour. One of my uh, tomato tragics that they had two or three kilo a week said, oh, you know, the Doncaster tomatoes last week were no good. So I gave us some spectacular Murray Bridge. And she came back the next morning. Oh, my kid's not happy. Give me more Doncaster. So, oh, really? But this is too much acid. The last. No, no, not enough acid in the um, Murray Bridge. Oh, not enough. Yeah, so the Doncaster so has more. I more acid. The other way around. No. Yeah, okay. So now we've got Murray Bridge coming on. 
we got uh, two varieties of them. One's um, softer and sweeter, and the other one's crunchier and a little bit more acid, but not not as much as Doncaster. Mm. So we've got something to keep everyone happy. We got lovely aromas for salad. We got some for cooking. Um, we don't live without tomatoes. We no. just can't do it. No way. All right, I'm gonna a hypothetical here, John. Um, I'm presenting you with a big pot, right? It's just come off the stove. It's got a lid on it, right? And I pull the top of this pot, and there's a soup in there, your favourite winter soup. What is it? Yeah, that's a problem. I, I really have to say a hearty minestrone, hey, which, which is what we copped last night. Mm. Um, and because we've just done the uh, pork, it had a lot of pork skin in it. I love it. My grandfather used to use a smoked ham hock. We've spoken about that before. And Mom, if you're vegetarian, you can always use the parmesan rinds. Yeah, but... You can make it vegetarian. You don't need the meat because yeah. the the uh, bolotti beans and you can put green beans in and potato and celery and that. The flavours just meld together and really come out into the minestrone. Mm-hmm. And and like I said before, got a bit of a cabbage leaf. Chuck it in as well. Gives it a bit more body. And then you put your little bit of cheese on the top. And crusty bread inside. Got another crusty bread. Yeah, crusty bread. Oh, and uh, there's a reason why it's called a minestra to uh, to give health, isn't it? That's is right. That sort of what it means to administer health. Yes. To administer health, yes. and so um, it's a great thing to pull out. And it's also um, I wouldn't have a minestrone without um, some cabbage in it because it just doesn't seem right. Yeah, and and the beauty of it is it warms you up. Yeah. Fills up the belly. And the amount of vitamins and minerals and fibre in it, it's a complete meal, mm. all right? And some of us make it so thick that you can eat it with a fork. Yes, yeah, yeah. and, and the great thing is that you get a big pot of soup, you can keep coming to it again and again. And the it's, next uh, day, it's always better. It's always better. And, it and you can down. put a little bit of pasta or even a handful of rice in it mm. just to bulk it up again. So there you go. Pick of the market, John. Pick of the market. All the stuff to do that. Unfortunately, we haven't got any fresh bolotis today. So I say to people, buy them, put them in a the freezer or so you've got them. Or you can get a tin. Or you can get a tin. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. No, you, no. You've got to cut corners sometimes. Should you rinse them? No. Okay. No. Not even when I have a five-bean mix. You know the Aussie-style five-bean mix? I love it. Yeah. Don't rinse them, mate. A little bit of olive oil cool. and a bit of bread. Don't matter hot or cold, any time of the year. Yeah. Um... You need a few green beans in that. You need a bit of potato. We've got lovely potatoes. We've got four or five varieties, mm. some waxy, some flowery. Um, You've got artichokes in. Maybe people might want to have new season. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We've got artichokes. We've got baby ones that you can parboil and batter and fry or crumb and fry, mm. or you can boil them and put them in uh, oil, or you can just make a quick vinaigrette. And the big ones are the same. They, they look ugly, but they're very, very tender and sweet. Not as hard to deal with. Ask your green grocer or come and ask me. I'll tell you what to do. There are plenty of recipes out there on the internet, so get out there to stuff them and, and steam them with potatoes and broad beans is divine. Broad beans are coming. At the moment, they were $12 wholesale. Yeah. So we're getting there. Well, we're getting there. Before you know it, it'll be August and we'll be looking towards spring. But in the middle of winter, I think it's just a time to draw the jacket around. Draw your friends around. Light a fire, get the soup on, and just enjoy. And a little bit of vino as well. Hey, you know, we, we had a, a friend that was born in Rome, and mm. uh, he'd eat all the veggies out of the minestrone and have the juice sitting in the bottom of the plate. Mm. He'd get uh, his half-drunk glass of red wine, pour it into it, mix it up, 
and his missus would be abusing him. Mama, you can't do that. It's not etiquette. And he'd say, I don't care. He'd pick up the plate and drink it. And it really made his day. You know? Maybe half of it was annoying his wife, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not commenting on that. Because okay. I've done my bit this week. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, we won't get into the, the home front wars. Uh, but in the meantime, I'll leave you laughing, which is good. And the past that don't forget the past. Yeah, and don't, don't hit anybody That's with lovely. that. lovely. I love that. I fell in love with that when I saw it. <laughs> Love with beautiful vegetables. All right, we're going to leave the market. We're going back to the studio. Thanks again, John. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Sorry about the dreary day, but this is Melbourne in winter. Hey, look up my glass over there. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Somebody got to say. Somebody got to say. Let's drink. Cheers. Cheers. I kind of like piano. I don't, we've had that theme for as long uh, as I've been on the show, and you're like, I wonder who says that? Yeah, stop playing that piano. Who is that? Well, he's talking to Jimi Hendrix, because there's yeah. uh, Burroughs is in there, Hendrix is in there, and through the miracle of the phones, we have the redoubtable Hugh Griffith. Hello, Hugh. Hello, Ken. Hello, mate. How you doing? Good, good. Where, uh, where, where have we found you? You you at the shop? So I've got a, a coffee window on Brunswick Street that I've been hanging out at this morning. The window so I'm sorry on I can't Brunswick be with you Street. Guys. Yeah, the old Madame Susu. Oh, really? So, yeah, so, so eventually we're going to put a licensed venue in there, but we're running seven days a week as a coffee shop and a retail outlet. Hello. Um, I didn't know you were expanding into Brunswick Street. Yeah, it's Congratulations. Got a of, uh, joys and challenges. Yeah, thank you. Joys and in for coffee. Yeah, well, we're just around the corner, which is uh, kind of good. It's a shame in the uh, olden days we would have been a lot closer to you. Uh, but we should also talk a little bit about your other plays, uh, Union Electric. Yep. Where's that? Union Electric, uh, just nominated for Best Gin Bar. Um, I think uh, we're very happy with that. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out if we get through later in the year. But... Um, yeah, it's a bit weird this time of year, being a rooftop and all the rain and the, the cold, yes. but it's still ticking along nicely. Yeah, and, and how would you describe a Union Electric to those that haven't been there before? Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. It's a bit of a, a hidden... Um, it's a typical hidden laneway bar that's typical of Melbourne. Um, so lots of... We started off as a single level, uh, and then after two years we built a, a deck or a rooftop, yeah. Um, and then they had such different personalities. We decided that one would be all about gin, and that's the rooftop. We call it our rooftop gin garden. Yes. Um, and we've got almost 300 gins now. Wow. Uh, and downstairs yeah. is still a bit of a hospo hangout um, with darker spirits, silly, silly cocktails, uh, good music. We say we're bartenders who take drinking but not ourselves seriously. Yeah, right. Um, and, and also, yeah. if you're into really, really old rums, you'll be able to find them down there. And and also, if Hugh's there, he'll, uh, he can talk to you about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like talking about rum. I know. I like talking about rum in Melbourne. Well, maybe we, we need to get you back on to, uh, to do another rum chat because people's... Uh, there's amnesia that happens, and maybe people have forgotten some of the things you might have said last year, but we'll move on. Um, now, you had some interesting um, information and some news about one Bill Lark you wanted to talk about. 
Yeah, uh, last time we had a, a chat, I was excited about Lark whiskies. Um, and you know, I like talking about rum and the history of, yeah, the mean, history of, um, none of us have ever tried it, but you know. Ah. Well, have you um, tried it? Bit easy. I have, yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh good on you. Um, my girlfriend's mum, uh, picked up a bottle in Sydney a couple of weeks ago when we were up there. Yeah. Um, but it's delicious. It's one of those, like, whiskies. There's so many different styles of whiskey, and some people love the smoky ones, some people like a lighter style. Mm-hmm. Some um, like blended, Australian, some like malts, yeah. Absolutely. And Australia, um, in my opinion, tends to produce these really lovely, um, nuanced, uh, but quite adventurous whiskies. Mm-hmm. And for me, I like Lark because of all the delicious... I've got a sweet tooth. That's probably why I like rum so much. Yeah. I like oh, Lark right. because it's got everything you love about a whiskey, yes. but it's also got those sweeter, um, more English sort of, characters like the butterscotch and the toffee and the caramel oh that sounds all right um yeah but it's delicious and it's a bit easy to get now which is no really yeah. Where? Yeah, where, where where do we go well a few of the bigger bottle shops are starting to um pick it up am i allowed to name bottle shops yeah yeah why not They'll send us yeah, out on, um, on something worthwhile yeah, yeah. <laughs> where do we go you dan's you'll be able to find it yeah look out look at dan's yeah. um especially Dan's Online and Coles um, and Vintage Cellars. Yeah, vintage, the, you can um, get Lark Whiskey at Vintage Cellars now? Stop the presses there, Hugh Griffiths. Okay, yeah. Yep, um, I hope. How um, much? The other exciting thing is... Oh, Quanto? This is where I'm going to get in trouble. Well, is, over, is it over 100 bucks a bottle? Are, are we under 100 or where are we? We're just over 100. It's just over, okay. Still, okay. Yeah. All right. But the one I wanted to talk to you about was obviously Lark. Um, Lark is in. Um, it's from Tasmania, mm-hmm. but they've teamed up with a local brewery, Wolf in the Willows. Oh yeah. And this is the one I'm excited about. They're Wolf doing the... a special release um, called the Wolf Release, and it's their second edition. There's only 680 bottles, so I reckon we should get hold of some and have a have a drink, Cam and Matt. Yeah. Um, that sounds... Uh, Wolf in the Willows. Who, who owns Wolf in the Willows again? I don't know. Um, that's, that's, where, that's where I fall over. But yeah. really great brewery Scott McKinnon. In, um, Scott, that's Scotty, that, that's Scotty McKinnon, uh, Wolf in the Willows. Been trying to get him on the show for a while. His kids have to run around these ovals playing football, which sort of <laughs> precluded him from that, which has been a little bit annoying. Now, listen, Hugh, let's just backtrack a little bit because um, we should probably make it um, certain so that people understand. Bill Lark is a treasure in the fact that he was probably uh, one of the first proponents of making an Australian uh, new whiskey. Would that be correct? Yeah, so Bill Lark is well known as being the bloke who made it possible for all these craft distilleries mm. to be able to make spirits in Australia. So Before that, it was the domain of the big boys, so um, and they had to pass legislation to get it what, to make it possible again. That that so that it could happen, so you could get small batch stills going. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, and you're obviously friends with some really. Um, great distillers that are local, like uh, Sebastian Rayburn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he makes a, a great gin in Melbourne. Yeah, no, he's um, moved to Geelong now. Yeah, well, yeah. and then we talked about Sean Baxter and the boys from Never Never in Adelaide. Yes, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about these things unless it was um, unless Bill Lark had decided on a fishing trip he was going to start making whiskey. What um, was what was the fishing trip thing? 
Well, he um, he realised that everything, like all the elements, are right in uh, um, in Tassie to make whiskey. Uh, actually, it might not have been a fishing trip. He was talking to uh, oh, his father. Good, though. I liked when yeah. you were going with that. <laughs> but I was just having a drink, um, and they decided that there should be a, a Tassie whiskey, or there should be a malt whiskey being made in Tasmania, and that's where it all started. And he went down this this road and uh, had the laws changed so they could um, they actually produce whiskey on a small scale. But now it's one of the most iconic spirits in Australia. Well, yeah, and the most most lauded and up till now, thank God for this great news, was sort of um, hard to obtain. I have a feeling there might have been, if we're going to go into these apocryphal sort of stories, um, that it might have been that uh, fly fishing and having a flask of something nice while you were fly fishing might have been uh, one of the the things that... uh, uh, got lark off the ground, or, or was the inspiration? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm on the radio, so I'll be quoted if I say anything. Oh, really? Um, okay, well, just uh, let uh, me uh, make uh, these spurious <laughs> claims. <Yeah>. In. <laughs> it's like water so, off a I'm, duck's I'm, back for me. I want that. To, I want that story to be the case. Yeah, um, don't we all? I do know that. I do know that I was sitting next to uh, um, uh, a river called the Quiet River. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. Yes. Lovely, really. He's quoted as saying, I wonder why there isn't anyone making malt whiskey in Tasmania. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, it's, but it's good. Um, and that's, and every, every time I talk to you, I talk to you about someone who's exciting and distilling, so I just wanted to talk to you about Bill Lark this time around. Well, thank you for that. For uh, the, the Lark addendum, we could say that uh, that is. But we also wanted to have a chat to you. Let's go uh, downstairs from the gin bar to the land of the darker spirits. Yeah, and we're going to talk about winter and what to drink in winter. Brilliant. I love it. Let's let's have something nice and warming. Warm the cockles. Yeah. Well, um, I like rum, uh, and I've said to you that the idea that if you know the history of rum, you know the history of the the world for the last four or five hundred years. Yes. Um, But I really like this idea of a cocktail called the Flip. Oh, the flip, that's, um, that's an old school thing, isn't it? It is. It's, um, it's actually a cocktail that seems to have evolved, or they've applied the same name, the flip, to two different very styles of drink. Yes. Um, but I like the story of the flip because, A, you can have it as a hot drink or a cold drink. But yes. B, one of, our, one of the, the words that's become a part of the English language uh, or a term or a phrase is uh, when two people are at loggerheads, yeah. That word loggerhead describes the, the the tool that you'd heat in the fire, heat your flip. Oh, really? The Back loggerhead? The, is that what a yeah. loggerhead is? Yeah, once upon a time it was this, um, this bit of iron with a knob on the end. Right. Um, you'd heat it in the fire and then you'd stick that into your uh, mixture of uh, beer, rum and sugar and that would cause the liquid to froth Yes. Um, or to flip. Um, so you were flipping the drink by putting putting this loggerhead in it. But if you're in a room full of boozy blokes and you had an argument with one of them, yes, you were gonna if you were gonna come to blows, the, oh. the thing you'd pick up would be this loggerhead <laughs> to, to threaten someone with the the red hot loggerhead. Yeah, that's it. I'm not happy um, with you. But don't you think in the English was that they're probably the same thing that they'd warm up their ales with? Yeah, it was more of a. a I think. Um, it was first used by. Uh, I've got. I've got my piece of paper here. Yes. It was first used in 1695, 
um, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, but it seems to be an American um, an American drink or something that was more likely drunk by Americans. Oh, gotcha. So, and, and a flip is different to a shrub, isn't it? Yeah, so a shrub is um, usually a, a mixture of some sort of fruit juice and different yeah. people pre- prepare it different ways. Uh, we make ours by um, soaking fruit, chopped fruit with sugar mm-hmm. and extracting the juice and then mixing that with vinegar. Um, some people heat theirs, some people let theirs ferment. Um, but yeah, a flip now usually means a drink that's a, a mixture of uh, some sort of spirit. I like rum. Yes. With a whole egg. Yes. Um, and some sort of sweetness or, or flavouring agent. So for me, I love a, a flip made with a whole egg, uh, rum, shaken, served almost like a, an eggnoggy Christmassy drink. Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm. Hey, and um, just you, you brought up the the uh, the uh, Sebastian Rayborn before, and yep. he blew my mind, uh, it was probably a couple of years ago, I think, Matt, where he did a hot buttered rum, which uh, normally was one of the most disgusting things in the world where you have this thing with just <laughs> melted butter. But if you get that and you stick it on the wand of an espresso machine, yep. it emulsifies and you get this luscious... Luscious drink, and of course, a, a little bit of spice in there. And uh, wow, yeah. what a drink that is! You're exactly, yeah, you're exactly right. That's one of the drinks we're doing at the moment as well. We're doing a, a buttered hair liqueur drink. Got to go we're soon. Butter, yeah, yeah. We're taking butter from a local dairy, and uh, it's magnificent. So, yeah, sounds good. Hugh, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to us. Really do appreciate it. Good to hear your voice. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Matt. Sorry I wasn't there in person. It's all right. Next time. Next time. And of next time, uh, we should go. Still here up next. Next week, Nikki Rima. Yeah, looking forward to that. From Bolotta in South Melbourne. Should be good. And we've also got Sean Byrne, who uh, has this great thing, a time that's come. All day cocktails. Ooh, low alcohol. Drink them all day. Yeah. Don't fall over. (laughs) See you later. Still here's up next. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.